If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. I've had the privilege and honor to engage with hundreds of enthusiastic, boundary-pushing people in their educational journey. And the STEAM Symposium gives educators the opportunity to direct their own learning within this environment and learn from each other. And a lot more innovative learning is just about to take place, thanks to the seventh annual California STEAM Symposium. The California STEAM Symposium, which happens in Anaheim on December 9th and 10th, is co-hosted by three organizations. The California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls, the California Department of Education, and the Californians Dedicated to Education Foundation. For two days, the California STEAM Symposium is going to highlight some exciting ways of combining science, technology, engineering, art, and math to empower and engage students in some non-traditional learning settings. Glennon Stratton is STEAM Program Director for Californians Dedicated to Education Foundation. Glennon, on your LinkedIn, you say that you have a passion for improving the lives of others. Mm -hmm. What first sparked that for you? I would say that spark really came from my parents. I worked, as a child, I got the opportunity to visit my mom's classroom in Inglewood. She was a special education teacher. And then both my parents were psychologists and helped lots of people in our community. And I got the opportunity in middle school to share and learn about Brown versus Board of Education and studied that with my father and have always been passionate about having opportunities to help others. And that has really been a through line in my career has been public service. It sounds as though from day one you were going to be a teacher. Well, in ways I've been a teacher. I haven't been a public education teacher in a K-12 environment, but I started teaching sailing at age 13, which includes all aspects of STEAM and has really stuck with me and has been something that has helped me in the K-12 environment when building and looking at STEAM education and hands-on learning experiences. In the actual K-12 environment, when did you first become aware of STEAM as an educational tool? In the K-12 environment, I started working in the K-12 environment in 2013 and became aware of STEAM fairly early on in my career in K-12. I was also aware of STEAM because of working at the nonprofit U.S. Sailing Center here in Long Beach, and STEAM education was a topic. It wasn't always called STEAM and has taken many names and shapes, but the idea of interdisciplinary learning and hands-on learning has been something that has stuck with me as a powerful tool to increase access of all kinds for all types of students and equitably serve all of our student populations. Now, I get where you would have the science if you're sailing, technology, engineering, but where's the art part come in with sailing and STEAM? I would say the art and sailing is using the elements along with the technology to propel your boat. And so understanding how to use wind and sails and the engineering and the physics behind all of that, there's an art to making it all go. And there's also an art to, and especially as you sail on larger boats with bigger teams that have different duties on the boat, there's an art to the collaboration that makes the boat go. And that's really a fun and compelling part. 
We should also mention, before we get to talking about the California STEAM Symposium, that it looks like your background also includes photography, communications, and even promoting music. How has that helped you with the idea of planning STEAM education? Sure. I would say my background has a lot of kind of DIY culture in it, do it yourself. And so it has enabled me to realize that anyone can have an impact, anyone can make a difference, anyone can start with something, and that life and education is really an iterative process. And so making space for failure and mistakes and things to happen for students where they're not penalized for making a mistake and they're not suffering as a result of it, but they're learning because of those mistakes and improving and increasing their knowledge as a result of those mistakes. And I love that emphasis as opposed to, oh, you made a mistake, you fail. It's, okay, you made a mistake, learn from here. Yeah, it's paramount. And, you know, I saw that power, I would say, most recently when I was working at Portland Public Schools and I was their makerspace director. And the shift in teaching to do a hands-on learning environment to step out of the front of the room and let kids experience and make the mistakes while doing a hands-on learning experience, whether it was in history class or physics class, was really powerful. And the students took an ownership of their learning as a result of being given the freedom to go in different directions and being given the freedom to direct their learning. With the idea of directing their learning in mind, the California STEAM Symposium. This will be your first year as the STEAM director. What has that been like for you so far as the 2019 California STEAM Symposium comes up? It has been a whirlwind, but it has also been incredibly energizing. Part of my role and the hope of the STEAM Symposium is to serve as some connective tissue for STEAM educators throughout the state. And so I've had the privilege and honor to engage with hundreds of enthusiastic, boundary-pushing people in their educational journey. And the STEAM Symposium gives educators the opportunity to direct their own learning within this environment and learn from each other. And that's the most exciting part is that it is peer-led professional development and there are enough experiences. We have over 200 presentations at the event that you really get to direct your own learning and get to choose and learn about different topics of your own choosing. I had the privilege of seeing this last year. It was incredible. Let's fast forward the clock. It's now December 9th. We're going to walk in It's about 7 o'clock in the morning. What are we going to experience at the California STEAM Symposium? Well, on day one at 7 in the morning, you will experience some fresh energy. You'll have an opportunity to come to our newcomers orientation, which is for any attendee that hasn't been to the symposium, but also for attendees that would like a refresher. And it's an opportunity to get oriented to a really large-scale event, which isn't the norm, We have thousands of educators at our event, so there's an incredible amount of energy in the room. There's a lot of opportunity to learn and collaborate with each other. And you'll come away, especially in the morning, you're going to come away inspired by some of our keynote speakers before you go on into your breakout sessions. Who are these keynote speakers? This year, I'm thrilled to announce that we have State Superintendent of Instruction, Tony Thurman, in a fireside chat with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, MBA Levigen, and STEAM Education Advocate. We also have Ellen Ochoa, former astronaut and director of the Johnson Space Center and a trailblazer in her own right. And Dr. Chris Emden, who's the founder of the social media movement, Hip Hop Education. 
Now, I was reading about him online before we came over here. He's got a rap about science. Yeah, and he's also empowered students to use rap and hip-hop to further their own education and further their own literacy and engagement with education. What's exciting to me about that is when I was a kid a zillion years ago back in school, it was come in, sit down, be quiet, listen, spit the words back at the teacher. You didn't learn that much that way. Today, there's been a real shift. What's been one of the most exciting instances you've seen of kids taking charge of their own education using their own problem-solving skills? You know, I will come back to an experience I had at Portland Public Schools and in our Makerspace initiative. We did a professional development offering, and we had one teacher take one of our exercises and adapt it for her history class. And it was super empowering. They were studying different historical events, and in particular, it was around genocide. And the project was to create a memorial or a remembrance of this genocide so it wouldn't happen again. And, you know, you don't think of history coming into a makerspace or to a hands-on learning environment, but they took that project and built these really intricate and unique memorials for these and then the students gave presentations about that so they really took the ownership and tried to honor the the people that were lost and then share out and speak on it so that something like that wouldn't happen again that's amazing on so many levels because not only you're teaching them skills you're teaching them empathy you're teaching them these were real human beings correct and it's a difficult topic it's not easy and it made it feel real a lot of times when you read something in a textbook it's hard to connect to it until you engage in some way outside of the textbook to make it feel like it could happen to you or could happen to a friend of yours. And when that happens, then, then you really see the light bulb go off in kids and educators get excited to see that light bulb go off. Let's look at some of the ways that the light bulb's going to go off after California STEAM Symposium. You have one session that kind of blew me away where it said something about math can be fun. That's not the word that most of us associate with math. Sure. I mean, we hope that after the STEAM Symposium, that educators walk away refreshed, re-energized, and full of new ideas and new connections to help implement those ideas. A lot of people who come to the symposium oftentimes are the only person in their district that is focused on STEAM or the only educator in their school trying to do STEAM education. And this gives them an opportunity to connect with others and realize that Education itself is also an iterative process. Being a teacher is partly iterative, and you learn from your experiences, and the more you can learn from each other, the, the faster that process goes. What's one of the most important things you've learned within the past year from the students, from the teachers? From the students, I think the thing that always strikes me about students is their ability to solve complex problems and have unique ideas, and when they take the ownership, they can get really excited and really make a difference. From teachers, I'm always amazed by their dedication, always amazed by their persistence and their focus on improving outcomes for kids. And if I can learn anything, it's persistence from teachers. Teachers blow me away today because there's so many hoops they have to jump through. It seems like every, I have a cousin who is a teacher. Every year there's something else and now we implement new programs too. What do you say to a teacher who's overwhelmed and says, I'd like to implement STEAM in my classroom, but how do I find the extra 24 hours in a day? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we're really cognizant of as we put on the STEAM symposium and other professional development offerings is that 
this doesn't happen in a vacuum. There are real issues, financial constraints, natural disasters, other things going on. And if we can get somebody connected and excited, I think more than anything, if somebody is interested in it, find why they're interested in it, connect to that passion point of theirs, and then they'll be able to run with it themselves. And the other part of it is don't be afraid. Just go and do and make mistakes. Realize it's not going to be perfect the first time. And it shouldn't be perfect the first time, and it'll get better because of that. It takes a lot of vulnerability to do that, especially as a teacher in front of a classroom. But that vulnerability makes the teacher human and makes the students respect you even more because you've shown this vulnerable side of yourself. What a great point, too. It's okay to make mistakes when you're the teacher. It's not, I came down from the heavens and I will impart this truth to you. It's, I'm human too, folks. Absolutely. And I think that's incredibly powerful when teachers show that they are human, that they aren't perfect, that they make mistakes. It shows that that's how learning is, is a bunch of mistakes built on top of each other that you improved upon. Let's go back to the math. How can math be fun? Math can be fun in tons of ways. You know, from my experience, I learned what really struck me with math and applied, especially in the realm of sailing, was vector math because there's a lot of power and figuring out velocity made good was a big challenge as you're trying to make your boat go faster than another boat. And so I think there's all sorts of unique challenges. There's, you know, reciprocals and there's all sorts of different nomenclature, but the puzzle of math to me is the most unique, the algebra and how to make the pieces fit together. If you start to open the box to this is a fun puzzle to figure out, then it becomes fun. What about a different topic that some students learn to hate, tragically, because it's been a love of my life, reading? How do we open reading to more kids so they don't go, ugh, I have to read? That's a great question. Reading, when brought to life, can be life-changing. And I think the challenge with reading, one of the challenges with reading is that it doesn't feel real sometimes. And so if you can take it off of the page and do something hands-on that's related to the reading that you're doing, then it comes to life. And so, I mean, to go back to that history example, that brought it to life for the kids. You could do that with any type of book or any type of content is to, you know, design characters, build stories, make a game, a video game. There's all sorts of online coding that would enable you to take a literature story and bring it to life in a different way. And when you do that, the students start to take ownership and see the value. Among the sessions the 2019 California STEAM Symposium will offer is one that allows students to take ownership by exploring ways of putting scientific language into more readily understandable terms. According to the California STEAM Symposium's website, this one is aimed at serving students for whom English is a second language. When you focus on the concepts instead of the nomenclature, so you focus on the power of physics, and let's say you do a challenge around designing a bicycle helmet, for example, and protecting an egg or do an egg drop challenge, that brings it to life. And it's not about the language and the technical terms of matter and force and speed and velocity. It's about, did I protect my egg? Did I protect my head that was in this bicycle helmet? Did I protect my... Did my contraption that my kindergartner made withstand a three-story drop from the side of a building? That would be a great thing to teach any kid. I remember being in school and being a straight arts kid, as are many these days, and thinking, what in the world does this have to do with me? 
when you see a child like that in a math or a science class, what's the first thing you do to fire their imagination? So explain what you mean by a straight arts kid. Well, I was a kid that was very good at reading, very good at creating things, drawing, anything that had to do with the arts I loved. Try to get me to do math and science, and I'd go like that. What I did was lean my head on my hand and looked very bored and sulky. Sure. I mean, I think there's great opportunity to use the arts to connect to math and science, and it's about finding those connection points and those entry points. And so if it's taking, for example, art and architecture and the math required to design a building, when you start connecting the angles and the the power and the stuff needed to design a building to the mathematical side of it, then it starts to get interesting. But it's about finding that that entry point for that student that they're interested in and then showing them the value that adding the mathematics or the science behind it does. And I'm going to guess you don't call it mathematics or science because they might run out the door. Yeah, I mean, again, it's about the concepts and building opportunities for them to have some trial and error, make mistakes, and the content knowledge will come. What so far, even with your background with the Makerspace in Oregon, in Colorado, has wowed you about California STEAM Symposium to the point that when we walk in there, whoa, you can't miss this. What would be one of the features or more that you would tell people you cannot miss this? The first feature I'd say you can't miss is our 5,000 square foot Makerspace. It's a It's a place for every participant to have an experiential learning experience doing a hands-on project and take resources away. I would also say that it'll be impossible to miss the energy and the power of just communicating with each other and sharing resources between yourselves. And so making sure to identify, I don't think there's a bad presentation out there. All of our presentations are wonderful and just finding the presentation that is of most interest to you and it's gonna help you do what you want at your school and make improvements is the power of the symposium. We've talked a lot about educators because that's the main audience for this, but is this for educators alone? No, I think that's one of the the huge powers of this event. We have great partners that do very content-specific professional development and where we're supplemental and have a lot of power as the STEAM Symposium as we're interdisciplinary. We have all of the content areas come together. We have all of the grade spans come together. We have pre-K, we have higher education, we have nonprofit partners, we have industry partners present. And so we try to bring all of that, make all of those connections so that people can learn from each other and improve outcomes for kids. And as a maker myself, I find this really, really fun. I cannot wait for this. Where can people find out more about the California STEAM Symposium? SteamCalifornia.org has all the information you could imagine about the symposium and has the schedule and has our keynote speaker lineup. Our app is going to be live in the next week or so. It will be available from the Google Play Store as well as the Apple Store Those are the biggest places to find information. Again, steamcalifornia.org. What has so far been one of your absolute best experiences getting ready for California STEAM Symposium 2019? I would say getting to work with a really collaborative team has been really fun, and it has a lot of parallels to what I was talking about earlier in terms of sailing on a large boat, and that we have a lot of moving pieces going all together and different people doing different things to make this go. There's a lot of people involved, I would say, you know, one of the things I really want to point out is that this event is co-hosted by the California Department of Education and the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls and the CDE Foundation. 
And it really shows our leadership in the state, but also in the country, to have those three organizations come together with a focus on equity and a focus on improving outcomes for all students and using STEAM education as a mechanism to improve outcomes for all students. And just seeing that type of leadership in our state is visionary for other states in the country. Perhaps one of the most exciting aspects of the California STEAM Symposium and of STEAM education in general is the emphasis on students' individual creativity. We're going to see some students at the symposium engaged in their own learning. Would you tell me about what they're doing, please? Sure. So I'm excited, and we're really focused on having students be at the center of our professional development opportunities. I'm really excited to report that we have a handful of breakout presentations that are going to be led by students themselves. We have a student showcase where we'll have over 100 students showing off different projects and engaging with educators throughout the conference. And we have groups of students that are coming with educators to learn beside them as well. So it's really exciting to see students engage in this effort, share their experiences with educators so that educators can get excited and see why students love this type of education so much. Think of the confidence these students are going to have for the future. It's remarkable to have the confidence to even submit a proposal to present is remarkable. But yes, this is going to give them an opportunity to engage with adults in a new way and walk away feeling even more confident about their own experiences. Let's say that we have kids who maybe have a language barrier, low income, or maybe English is just not the language spoken at home, so the other kids are far ahead of them. How do we get around these barriers so they'll be excited about learning? I think the first thing you have to do with any student is show them that you care about them. And when you start in a place of love and a place of caring about students, then you can get into learning. But you have to start with showing them that you care about them and then providing them opportunities to be successful in their own right and take ownership of their learning and show them that they are smart, that they are capable. Show them that they can do this stuff if given the resources and given the opportunities they can be successful. In fact, one of the best things I've ever heard anybody say to a kid came in a youth organization with this extraordinarily busy executive turned to a child one day who had interrupted him and said, you know what's important to me? You. And I've always remembered that. It's been amazing. How do we do that? How do we tell the kids, you are important, you matter, when maybe the world gives them a different message? The first part of that is showing up, being present, being available, letting them ask you questions, and doing things that oftentimes seem trivial or little or easy, but make a big impression on kids. And so knowing their name, showing them that you care in different ways, and empowering them to take advantage of their own learning, I think are ways that you can do that. And finally, Glennon, if people can only get one thing from you and your work with the California STEAM Symposium about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from you? I would say that if you were to take away one thing from this conversation is that you can start anywhere and you can make a difference anywhere. Don't be afraid to start. Jump in. It's messy. It's not easy. It's not clean. But once you get involved and once you get engaged, it's hard to stop. Glenn, thank you for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. This was a real privilege. You and I have been listening to Glennon Stratton, STEAM Program Director for Californians Dedicated to Education Foundation, which is one of the three co-hosts of the 7th Annual California STEAM Symposium. 
The 7th Annual California STEAM Symposium is happening Monday and Tuesday, December 9th and 10th at the Anaheim Convention Center North. You'll find more information at californiasteam.org. That's californiasteam.org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.